Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. I'm trying to find the verse here. It just totally went off my page. That's fine. I think I said it right. But you got to get ready. So why? Why are you like this? Because I gave my life to Jesus, man. Because he came and he died on the cross for all of my sins. Like, I'm not worthy for him to die on the cross for my sins. I'm not worthy of that free gift of salvation. Was never worthy. I, I can never earn it. I can never do enough good things to maintain it or to hold on to it. I am the least of them, but he came and he died for me. Are you a Christian who's ever been challenged by someone asking you why you believe in Jesus? Do you struggle to articulate your faith when you're questioned about it? Well, in today's message, Pastor James talks about how as Christians, we're called to live differently than the world around us. We're called to be set apart, to be a light in the darkness. We have to be able to articulate why we believe what we believe and how our lives have been changed by Christ. He has transformed us, so share your hope. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. You want to be happy in this life? I hope you do. Unless you're, I don't know, you get, we may need some counseling if you don't want to be happy in this life. Like, okay. But if you want to be happy in this life, and it's not, it's not a happiness that's based on circumstances. It's a happiness that's based on foundational truth that doesn't change. Bless people. And the Lord, and he says here, the Lord will bless you. He will grant you his blessing. So there's your motivation. Like, I don't, I don't feel like doing this. I don't always want to do this. But this is what he's called me to do. So I'm out of obedience. This is what I'm going to do. And in some way, somehow, there's a blessing that comes with that from God. Now, I don't know if that's part of the uh, treasures in heaven that are stored up for you. Could be. I think a lot of it is just the fact that in doing that and honoring God's word, it frees you from bitterness, which is a blessing in and of itself. And the Lord is so smart and he knows what he's doing. And so he, he communicates these things to us and says, if you just do this and not this, you will be happy. And the blessing will be that of a life of obedience and all the good that comes with that. We, we incur so much stress and anxiety within our lives. Oftentimes, now I'm not speaking to any like chemical things or anything like that, but I'm talking about sometimes we just don't do what God tells us to do and the end result is can be anxiety, it can be depression, and it can be all these things. And God's like, look, you can be happy if you just obey me. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes you don't need the medicine. I'm not saying medicine's bad, but I'm saying sometimes people don't need the medicine. You just need to obey God. You'll be blessed by that. It says scriptures, the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, not the TV show, but enjoy your days. Reference, I'm going to gauge on who's out here, how old you guys are. All right. Keep your tongue from speaking evil, your lips from telling lies. 
Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace. I love that. Search for peace and then what? And then work to maintain it. Right? So you should be diligently searching for peace, but it doesn't just stop there. When you find peace, then you, then you also apply yourself to maintaining that or holding on to that. Found Jesus. Sweet. All right. Punched my ticket to heaven. Good. I'm God. God, I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you when I see you. Kind of a deal in heaven, right? Like that's sometimes how Christians function. I found Jesus, got saved, got my ticket stamped. I'm good to go. No, no, no. You maintain that. It, you, it's sanctification. It's a process. You, you pursue him always. It says the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, verse 12, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. What's amazing about this reference is where it comes from. It's found in Psalms. It's found in, I believe it's Psalm 34. Yep, it's Psalm 34. That's right. The context of that psalm is pretty incredible. Okay? Because David was coming out of a bad story. He was pretending to be insane. He's like drooling and spitting on himself, and he just pretended to lose his mind. He was in a dark place. And then he writes this psalm, and this is how he starts that psalm off. I'll read this to you just real quick. I will praise the Lord at all times. He's in the midst of a difficult story. And his response to that when he kind of comes to his senses is, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved, excuse me, he saved me from all my troubles For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous or happy? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil. This is the reference. And your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the, from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them in all their troubles. The Lord is close to the broken hearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, but not, and not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate righteousness will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. 
no one or no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. That is a beautiful, beautiful psalm that is written at one of the darkest and lowest moments in his life. And he had many. He had many. And then coming out of that, he's like, oh, God is so good. God is so good. You know, and I, I'm just going to talk about how good he is all the days of my life. And Peter taps into that and says, you want that kind of life? It's possible. It is possible. Turn away from these things. Pursue these things. Turn away from the bad. Pursue the good. Stop telling lies. Start speaking truth. Peter goes on to say, just this last little part. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good, right? Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good, right? There are times where people will harm others who are eager to do good. But Peter's just saying, like, keep your eyes on Jesus, serve, you know, serve each other, but then also dish out blessings to people. Nobody generally... Nobody's going to want to harm you if you're seeking to bless them. Now, there are cases where that does happen, but you understand what he's saying. He says, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it because he sees. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Okay, don't be afraid. Don't worry about their threats. Instead, what? Instead, sanctify Messiah in your heart. So you're out there trying to represent Jesus. You want to do good to other people and all the good stuff. And you may come up against some people who don't want to hear what you have to say or whatever. And this isn't even a thing about like what you speak. This is how you live your life. But people may not want it and all that good stuff. What Peter is saying is you set apart the Lord Jesus, the Messiah within your heart. Sanctify means set apart as holy. To set apart as holy. He gets special place within your heart. You want motivation. You want, to, you want to not just make it through this life, but you want to have like a good life where you enjoy life and you're, you're happy. And it's not that, that weird thing of like always smiling and regardless your house is burning down, but you're smiling because you're like, well, I have to be happy, right? It's not talking about that stuff, but it's saying carrying this joy within you. If you want that, the key ingredient to that is to sanctify, to set apart as holy within your heart the Messiah. He has to have a special place within your heart. And in fact, actually, he needs all of your heart. There's no place for anything else in your heart if Jesus lives there. Okay? Let me qualify that statement. Because you're like, well, I have a spouse. I have kids. Shouldn't they have a place within there? They do. You're going to love them. Okay? Placing Jesus as top priority within your life makes loving others a whole lot easier. And it actually gives them the love that they need. Keep him numero uno. Jesus is number one. Sanctify him in your heart. It says The New Living Translation says, instead, worship Christ as Lord of your life. Not just Savior. Lord. Please let me clarify this. A lot of people come to Jesus needing a savior. And yes, that's true, but they stop there. He's Lord and savior. Yes, he died to save you from your sins. Yes. 
But he also did that to be Lord of your life means he's in control. He's the boss. He's the commander. We submit to him. We align ourselves underneath his leadership. Jesus rules. He's the Lord. He's Messiah. So if somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, right? Always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to give a defense for the, you know, for this hope that you have. Okay? This, this hope that is in you. This is a fascinating thing because you're out there living your life and you're trying to do it right and you're blessing people. And so let's say you have a, a scenario, maybe family time, Christmas is coming. You're going to have family over or go to family and it's going to be chaotic and sometimes contentious, okay? I get it. That's how it works sometimes. But when that one family member who is always a thorn in your side shows up and they want to start with you, you say, the Lord bless you. They're probably not used to you replying that way, number one. But you're going to be different this year. You're going to do Christmas different this year. You're going to do family gatherings different this year, if that's your story. So whatever it is, that crazy uncle or whatever it is, when they go at it, you're, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. And then when you, when you hit them with that haymaker, so to speak, if you like boxing at all, which I love, and you've, you've dazed them, and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. Jesus is what's wrong with me. Jesus messed me up. Because <laughs> I used to want to mess you up when you would say that stuff to me. But now I want to bless you. I want to bless you. So the Lord bless you. And, and this is what Peter's talking about. When you interact with others who are contentious towards you about what you believe in, inevitably the question will come where you need to provide a defense for what you believe in. And not necessarily so much so that what you believe in. I want to stay true to what the text actually says, okay? Because that is a part of it, apologetics. That's where we get our term here, apologia. That's in here. But it's not all of it, okay? So it's a part of it. You need to know what you believe, why you believe it, okay? You, you need to know that. But he also, but what he says is, you need to, you need to be ready to give a, to give an answer. Okay, that's that apologia. You need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. I'm trying to find the verse here. It just totally went off my page. That's fine. I think I said it right. But you got to get ready. So why? Why are you like this? Because I gave my life to Jesus, man. Because He came and He died on the cross for all of my sins. Like I'm not worthy for Him to die on the cross for my sins. I'm not worthy of that free gift of salvation. Was never worthy. I, I can never earn it. I can never do enough good things to maintain it or to hold on to it. I am the least of them, but he came and he died for me. And that has changed me forever, forever. And no, I am not perfect. Because what may be one, time, one, one scenario of blessing, the other time may not be a blessing, maybe a cursing, okay? But right here, right now in this moment... Jesus says, man, he's the Lord of my life, and he has changed me. That's my answer. You want to know about the hope that's in me? His name is Jesus. And it's so much, I mean, it, forever I have it on my arm. Hebrews 6.19, he is my hope. He is my anchor. Forever. Forever. I hope this goes with me to heaven, <laughs> but it may not. 
but I hear there might be tattoos in heaven. So I'm holding out for, uh, I'm holding out on hope for that too. Some of you are like, there can't be tattoos in heaven. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's an open-handed issue. No big deal. It's not, it's just, it's Sharpie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's real. That's my hope. How can you treat people the way that you treat them with dignity and respect? Because of Jesus. Because of the hope I have in him. Because of the hope I have in him. Because how he loves me is how I'm supposed to love other people. And that's the hope that we have. So, worship him. Somebody asks you about the, your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, which means, and I, I, I throw this out there to you guys every so often, you need to be able to, to share your testimony in less than a minute. You need to be able to share your testimony. I know some of us are long-winded. And you want to go into all the details. They don't need the details. You got one minute to share your testimony. And your testimony is what he did for you. Not what you did. And then he saved you from all that stuff and all that. No, your testimony is what he did for you. And yes, how he changed you. But you need to be able to do that in one minute or less. Because sometimes that's all you have. But you need to be ready. And so if you've never written it out, write it out. That's your homework. Write it out. Write out your testimony. What was your life like before Jesus? When did you meet him? When did you surrender to him? And how the Holy Spirit drew you to him and all, all how that works out. But then what your life has been like since then. You need to be able to write all of that out and then condense that into one minute. And you would be amazed at how God will provide you with the opportunities to share that with people. If you just be obedient to that. We don't ever think about it that much, right? Like we're like, oh no, I, well I can share my testimony. Give me the mic, James, and give me, give me the mic and give me 30 minutes. I'm like, no, no. Go out there and you got one minute. That's all you need. That's all you need. And yeah, we'll share testimonies because we need to encourage each other and to hear each other's stories. We do that. We will do that. But it, it is of the utmost importance that we know how to do that out there. So that's your homework assignment. Write it out. Condense it down. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. You have to be ready. That is a command from the word. Be ready. Be ready. Don't be caught off guard. Somebody's like, why are you so nice? Oh, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's my genetics, right? My mama raised me right. Um, you're like, no, okay, yeah, maybe. But no, you are like you are. Why? Because of Jesus because of Jesus. It says, uh, here's the, the last part of this, and we'll, we'll stop. Verse 16, 16 and 17. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Please underline that. Highlight that. Please circle those terms. Gentle, respectful. Please apply that to your, to your sharing with other people, right? The world does not need people representing the church who are jerks out there, okay? There's enough of that already. There's a way to communicate and share the gospel in a respectful way. Let's get really good at that. Do it in a gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see, here's the key, when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. Not what they hear you saying, what they see you living. That's the difference maker. I don't care what you say. 
I don't care what Christian t-shirts you wear out there. It doesn't matter. People are not watching for that. And people don't care what you have to say. Sorry if this is offensive, but they don't care what you have to say. They are watching how you live your lives. They are watching you. As you walk through tragedy, they will be watching you to see how you handle it. You Christian, with all your Christian signs and decor in your office, cubicle, and all that stuff, when your life is falling apart, that's when they're watching. Does he believe that stuff he has on his walls? Does he believe that verse that's on his coffee mug? When we go out to lunch, is he treating our server like all that stuff he has on his walls and everything? That's what they're watching for. So we live it out. And there's no, they can't say anything about that. They may want to throw things at you, sling mud at you and all that good stuff, but you keep living your life for Jesus. And when they see that and they're like, oh, I've, I was wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. The Lord bless you, though. The Lord bless you. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. It says, remember, <clears throat> it is better to suffer for doing good than what, than is, if that is what God wants, okay, if that's his will, I should say it that way, than to suffer for doing wrong. And that's just to, in -ca just to cap that off there. Live your life for Christ. If, if people are going to hurl insults at you, let it be because you're following Jesus. Not because you're a jerk, right? Don't give them ammunition, okay? Live your life representing Christ. Let your actions match your words, match your Christian t-shirts or whatever else, or your decor or your coffee mug or whatever it is. Let your life match those things. And if you suffer for doing wrong, you deserve it. Okay? The Bible's pretty clear about some of that stuff. You, you might have been asking for it. But we're called to live in such a way that we represent Jesus in everything that we do. In everything that we do. Everything we do, everything we say. We represent him. This life is not about you. It's not about me. This is not our story. This is not our narrative. This is his story. His narrative. We get to be a part of it. That's amazing that God Almighty would say, you know what? I could do this without you a lot easier. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow the minds of those who are so smart and think they have it figured out by using you guys as part of this story. He's amazing. The Lord is so amazing. And, and let me just tell you, he loves you. He loves you. And everything that he's asked us to do, he himself is doing actively within your life right now. Even if you don't feel it. Even if you don't recognize it. You need somebody to sympathize with you and for you. You have a high priest who's doing that actively right now. You need somebody to pray for you. You have somebody who is actively doing that right now, and he's our great high priest. His name is Jesus. You need somebody to care about you at all times within your life? His name is Jesus. You need somebody who loves you perfectly, unconditionally? His name is Jesus. He is asking us just to do what it is that he's already done within our lives and is actively doing in our lives right now. Hope, hopeless, hopeless. 
you're at all familiar with the book of Job, then you can easily see how the book of 1 Peter ties into Job's experience of suffering. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You might ask, why aren't the unrighteous the ones that experience suffering and hardship? Why are those that want to follow God with all their hearts the ones that face trials? The truth is, it doesn't make sense to anyone who doesn't know God. But by knowing Him, you're willing to endure hard things, trusting that there's good ahead. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter states, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and fear. So the next time you have an opportunity to share your testimony, make sure you include the fact that yes, you go through trials, but it's God working in and through you that gives you and others hope for the future. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken as we go through the book of 1 Peter. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. For those of you in the area, we would love to see you this Sunday. We meet every Sunday at 10 in the morning and every Thursday at 7 in the evening. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that laid-back atmosphere, you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad that you decided to spend your day with us. And we look forward to the next edition with you in the book of 1 Peter, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.